chapter 4. We're going to continue in our study there. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm going to move quickly this morning and, uh, and move through. We've got a lot, i got a lot that I want to work through this morning. And uh, so I want, to, I want to try to get through this. So I'm going to move quickly. But uh, this is, I think, about the ninth message in 1 Corinthians as we're working through this book. I'm not going to rush through it. We're going to take it bite by bite and just see what the Lord has for us. Today's title, if I were giving them a title, well, I have given a title. So here's the title. The title for the message today, since I am giving it a title, is On Being a Servant of God. Paul's going to talk about on being a servant of God. And we're going to look at probably verse, we'll get through verse 6, I believe, this morning. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 6. Let's just uh, go again to the Lord in prayer and, and turn our hearts again to the Word. Father, again, we're thankful for, for just a great morning of worship, uh, of Lord, our, our fellowshipping together as family, getting to know one, of, one another better. Um, Lord, even I think about welcoming Ben here now as a part of my family, uh, but a part of our family extended. And we're, we're, just, we're just humbled by your goodness to us, Lord, your greatness and your love for us, you, you, Father, all you've done for us. So we just praise you for that. And Lord, now as we come to this part of the service where you open your word, I pray that we truly would right now, we just, we just still our hearts, we would focus our minds, we would humble ourselves before the Word of God. And Father, may we not be concerned with what Conrad has to say, but maybe we concern this morning with what Paul, who wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what Paul had to say to us, but what the Holy Spirit of God said to us through Paul as he wrote this. So Father, we know the words are from you. So Lord, help me to clearly communicate the, the message this morning that you put on my heart. And uh, I, I just pray, God, that you'll use it. May we humble ourselves before your word and may we obediently respond to whatever it is you want to do. So right now, may we just say a prayer in our own heart. Lord, speak to me this morning. I hope my neighbor gets something, but Lord, speak to me this morning, and we'll praise you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so as we've been going through this study in 1 Corinthians, what we have really, the, Paul has spent so much time, and he's looking at it so many different ways, because the problem, the first problem he deals with at the, at the Corinth church, when he's writing there, that church in Corinth, uh, in this letter, the first problem in the, of, of many problems that he deals with is the divisions within the church. And for him to spend this much time on that issue, it tells you this is a serious, serious issue within the church. I, folks, I don't know about you. But I, I feel it when there's any kind of tension or division or, or problems within the church. If it's something that I'm aware of or you know, somebody gets mad at me or whatever, it's stressful for me. I don't like that stuff. And, and, and God doesn't like it. He doesn't like that at all. And Paul is writing about that because there's division in the church there in, in Corinth. There's these divisions. There's schisms. They're biting, uh, uh, fighting against one another. And so understand as they take sides, I'm of Paul, I'm of Peter, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Christ. As they take a side, as they, as they promote that, inevitably, inevitably, they're going to tear down the other. It's human nature. It's what we do. So I'm on, I'm on Raymond's side. I'm going to Raymond's class. He's the best teacher here for small groups. There's no other teacher. So John can't do it the way that Raymond does it. And you sure don't want to waste your time going to Rusty's class. because Ru That's the kind of stuff that's going on. Okay, so no, 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 no. John's class is better because we all get to discuss it. We don't just have to listen to one person. We want we all get our say in there. So it's better. You know, Raymond doesn't give us a chance to say anything. It's just all about what Raymond knows. And that's the kind of stuff that can happen. Isn't that right? That's what that's what happens with division. And it's wrong. And that's what was going on there. It's not just that they were building up Apollos. I'm on a, I like Apollos. He's my favorite. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong, Fred. There's nothing wrong with John MacArthur being your, your favorite preacher. I'm your pastor, so I'm okay with that. Now, I know you love me. I think you love me, but I know you love John MacArthur, but that's okay, folks. Now, if he starts tearing me down and criticizing me because I'm not John MacArthur, then we got, there's a problem there. So it's not just that they were going, man, Paul, man, I just love Paul. I love his heart. I love this. It's not that. When those things happen, when we have divisions, inevitably we begin to tear the other down. That's our human nature. That's what's going on. And we have to, you have to believe that that's going on here. But the way Paul has talked about it already for through the first three chapters. It's not just, I like this one more than that one. 
These are divisions and schisms and like they're creating political parties out of this because of that. So there is backbiting that's going on. And so Paul now is going to take another look at this as an apostle. Listen to what he says, verse 1. He says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now there's a mouthful in that verse right there. Let a man so consider. So he tells them, he says, folks, as I start this, I'm writing this, consider this. This is, think about this, dwell on this, understand this. It's like an accounting term. You've got to come to an understanding of this. Consider it, think it through, reckon it. It it really is an accounting term. And so he's telling them, what I'm about to tell you, you need to think about this, reckon this, consider this. Let a man so consider us. He's talking about himself. He's talking about Peter. He's talking about Apollos. As servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. He's talking about men who are apostles. He's talking about men who are evangelists. He's talking about men that are missionaries. He's talking about these men that were preachers in the churches. That's who he's talking about. Now consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So first thing we're going to look at that Paul is making a state of here. He's talking about his authority. Where does his authority come from? What is Paul's authority? What is Paulus' authority as he's talking about this? And the first word he says there, he says, as servants of of Christ. So as servants, now Paul had already said, if you went back to chapter 3, verse 5, you might can look right on the, I don't know, maybe on the other page there for you, right behind it. But you can look at verse 5 there in chapter 3. It says when, that when Paul, Paul then, uh, when Paul, who then is Paul? Verse 5, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But, this is what Paul says, but ministers through whom you believed. We're just ministers. Now, what is that word there? That word ministers, it's the Greek word diakonos. Anybody got an idea what that word might mean? What does it mean? It's the word we transliterate to deacon. And the word means servant. It means servant or minister. So it, 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 and it really means to serve. And however it's used, it would mean to serve. So they're saying, look, we're servants. So that word can be servant, minister, waiter. And the idea when, it, when it's used like waiter, it's those who wait tables. That was the idea of that word diakonos, those who waited tables. You can go back to Acts chapter 6 and the, the men that they picked out to serve the widows. It was a waiting the tables. It was a serving type of thing. He's talking about we are ministers. We're servants. The emphasis in that sentence there is on service. Paul's saying we are servants. And so, the, the, this, this, again, it's the word that we, we transliterate and we get the word deacon from, which deacon is a servant. That's all a deacon is. It's a recognized servant in the church. It's a servant. So here Paul uses a less common Greek word. He uses uh, th- this word, hupireteis, uh, and, and it literally means under rower. When he says, when he says, let, as servants, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ. The word he used there for servant is a different word than, than diakonos. It's this word that means under rower. How many of you have ever heard that phrase, under rower? Well, not many of you have heard the phrase. But you would know exactly if I say under rower, you could probably figure out real quick what I'm talking about, right? Maybe it's somebody that rows from underside. It's the under rower. And so here's what it is. Um, They are slaves. An under rower, it refers to the galley slaves under the deck of a ship who poured the oars. Maybe you've seen the movie uh, Ben-Hur. At one point, Ben-Hur was an under-rower. He was in a ship. He was, he was, he was in there rowing, and he's, part, he's a slave in that ship. Now, those ships in those days didn't have engines, so the only way the ship would move was either by sails or by rowers. And, 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 and so they would have these slaves who were in the belly of the ship, and their job is simply to row. That's what they were to do. Their only responsibility is to row and row and to keep on rowing and rowing and rowing as long as they're told to do so. That's their responsibility. So Paul uses this word, and and his use of this word is deliberate. He wants to emphasize that they are subject to their master and they take orders from him, okay? So it's a little different than a diakonos, which is the same idea. It's a servant, and we serve under the authority of, of a master. There's a master who has authority there. But what he's saying here, the idea is different because... That they have no status, unlike you know the Corinthians. They're trying to build Paul up, like Paul's this great thing, and Apollos is this great thing, and they're more. They're building him up to more than what they were, more than what their responsibility was. They're 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 trying to elevate them to in a position that's just too high. 
So see, this under rower is someone that's under authority. He doesn't give orders, he takes orders. He follows orders, any and all orders. When you're an under rower, you do what you're told to do. You do it when you're told to do it. Paul says this is how you should regard us as apostles under authority. Whose authority? Well, Paul says the authority of Christ, our master, the one who has called us and assigned us to this task. And as an under rower, as an under oarsman, you don't stand on the bow and yell orders. You grab a paddle and you start rowing at the command of the captain. That was the job of an under oarsman. They rowed. They rowed when they're told to row. They're told how much to row, how fast to row, how often to row, when to stop rowing, when you can take a break. Everything they were told to do. They were, they were basically, they're, they're a slave to that oar. They are a slave shackled to a, to a bench and they're married to an oar. I mean, they don't get up and wander around the ship. They don't get up and do what they want to do. They, don't, they, don't, they, are, they are there to follow the command of their master, of their captain. That's why they're there. Now, they're not a volunteer. And I don't know if y'all have picked up on this yet, but I don't like that term. I don't, and if I use it, y'all can chastise me if I use that term. Because I don't like to use it. I don't like to ask for volunteers. I don't like it. And I'll tell you why. Because these, these weren't volunteers here. These under oarsmen, these servants of God, they're not volunteers. Because, see, a volunteer can get up and leave anytime they want to. That's what a volunteer can do. And a volunteer, uh, they usually feel like they're doing you a favor or like you owe them something because you came and volunteered or they volunteered. Does that make sense? Not to mention that they wear orange and they come from Tennessee. I just don't like the word volunteer. Uh, uh, I got a couple of folks in here that they love the Tennessee volunteers, so I'll, I'll answer for that later. But, but I don't like that phrase because it's different. Volunteer is different than a servant. It's different than what God talks about and the scriptures talk about, about being a servant. When we're a servant of God, we're not volunteers, folks. We don't just get to do what we want, when we want, how we want you know, when it's convenient for us. That's not the idea. The idea is we are slaves. We're slaves under the Lord's command. And this word here that he uses, when Paul's talking about being a servant, he's not even using the word doulos, which is the word that's translated bond servant in a lot of places. The, the more accurate translation of that bond servant is slave. It's not really bond servant like, you know, I'm an indentured servant. I can kind of, I serve kind of like I want to. I do what I want to. It's not that at all. It's this idea of you are a slave. You are a slave to that master. And, and it's not that word either. I mean, we, we are. These under oarsmen were slaves. But it's even beyond that. And like I said, they're shackled to a bench and they're married to that oar. They don't get to get up and leave it. They're rowing at the master's command. Now, folks, we too often view ourselves as doing God a favor when we serve him. We, we're not doing God a favor by serving him. We're doing what is expected of us right. when we serve him. When we do what he has called and saved and commanded us to do, we're doing, we're doing the very least. In fact, you can go and read the scriptures about being an unprofitable servant. So when that servant has done everything that was expected of them, they, they would say, I'm, you know, I'm just an unprofitable servant because all I've done is what's expected. I haven't done anything even beyond that. It's the very, it's the very least that we should do is everything that, this, that our master wants us to do. But we often feel like that we do God a favor when we serve him and, and when we do something or when we do anything for him. We think we've done God a favor. We've, we've blessed the Lord because I gave of my time a little bit. This, that's not the idea. Um, too many times what we do is for our own satisfaction. Yeah, I wanna, I'll, I'll serve God if I can do X. If I can't do X, I'm not doing anything. If I don't get to do X the way I want to do X, I'm not going to do anything. That's not being under authority. It's not being under the authority of the Lord. That's a, that's a wrong attitude. But we'll do things, things, you know, when it's for our own satisfaction. We'll do things when it fulfills our own desire. We'll do it, and, and another reason we do it is to appease our own conscience. Well, I got to do something. So I got to, you know, I got to do this to check the box. I got to get, now I feel better. If I do a little something, I'll feel better, and I won't have that on my conscience the rest of the week. So that's a lot of times what we do. And we do things when it's convenient for us. I mean, it, 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 have you thought about that? How, how with our jobs, 
It's never about convenience. It's about when they need it to be done, right? So we answer to them, and we, we oh man, I don't want to, I never wanted to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to work at UPS, but my mom says we start at 4.30, so you better be here at 4.30 o'clock in because that's when it's going to start, and if you don't, you, you won't have a job. So you, you do what they tell you to do. But see, we want to do it when it's convenient for us. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'd be glad to do that. Oh, when it, ah, nah, that's not a good time for me. That's how often we serve. That's not the idea of servants. Paul says, look, consider us. We, we, we serve the Lord. We're called of the Lord, and we do what he tells us to do, when he tells us to do it, how he tells us to do it, and we don't stop till he tells us to stop doing it. That's the idea of the servant. So with these under oarsmen, they were subordinate. There was, there was subordination because they were under authority. There was participation because everyone rode. Nobody got to take a break in there. Everybody was involved. I have a picture as I look out right now, and I see everybody sitting in the pews. It, the picture is everybody sitting here is you're, you're on the bench, and you're pulling a rope. You got an oar and you're pulling it. Everybody's doing it and everybody's involved. There's participation, but there's also cooperation because they're rowing together. How many of you have ever been on a, a dual, um, uh, 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 one of these little, what is that was called? Kayak, a dual kayak. Who's been on a dual kayak? If, if your marriage ain't strong, I don't recommend that, okay? <laughs> I just tell you, if, if you got some, some cracks in your marriage, that might break it totally apart. Um, we... We went on one. Gina's back was already bothering a little bit. We probably should not have done what we did, but we went about two years ago, this fall be two years ago, we went out to see the bioluminescent. And before we were done, I, I don't know if we're going to ride in the same car going home. <laughs> I'm like, stop, just stop. I'll do it, stop. So, but there has to be cooperation because if you're pulling while somebody else is pulling, you're, you're pulling and they're pushing. Your, your, your paddles are hitting each other. There had to be a coordination. They were rowing together. That's what the church ought to look like, folks. There ought to be subordination that we're under authority. We're serving God because he tells us to serve. We're serving. We ought to be participating. Everybody ought to be involved with it. And there ought to be cooperation. We're working together. We're not fighting against each other. We're working together in this thing. So as every member rows, they serve. They serve together. We move the gospel forward in its purpose and power. So Paul is saying, now get this. This is what Paul is telling them in this first part of, of verse 1. He, he says, look, we take our orders from the master. And we follow the orders that the master gives us. And what he's saying is, you, you guys, y'all are, we're being criticized by you for doing what the master has commanded us to do. You with me? So the truth of it is, as they're criticizing Paul or Peter or Apollos, they're not criticizing Paul, Peter, or Apollos. They're criticizing the master. They're criticizing the Lord because the Lord created them. He made them. He called them. He saved them. And he placed them in that church to serve. And now they're, they're not taking the right attitude in this. We'll go deeper in that later on. Now, the second part of that verse, he says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and, this next word, servants of the mystery of God, servants of the mystery of God. Now, the word there that's used for servants is, or, or stewards of stewards of the mystery of God is this word uh, oikonomos, oikonomos. And, and the, 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 what it means is this. It means it's a house distributor so the, the, or a house manager. It's someone who managed that household. They were an overseer. It was an employee in that capacity. But they weren't employees. They're, they're slaves. These stewards were slaves in a house. And they, they were responsible for the treasury in the house, all of that stuff. And the idea comes over with Paul is it's a preacher of the gospel. It's someone who's been entrusted with the gospel. And let me just say this in, in that regard, folks. Folks, if you're born again, you're a steward of the gospel. You have, been, you, you have the gospel. You've been given the gospel. And you, just as well as any preacher in the world, has been given the, the stewardship, the responsibility of properly managing that gift of the gospel and what we're to do with it. But So the idea of this word steward is the idea of Joseph. If you think of Joseph back in the Old Testament, he was sold, betrayed by his brother. He was sold into slavery. They take him down into Egypt and they sell him to Potiphar. 
Potiphar buys him. He owns Joseph. He is now his household slave. And God blessed the work of Joseph's hands. So what we find is that Potiphar made him the steward in that home. He trusted Potiphar with everything in the house. He gave him that. So he was a slave, but he was over everything. He was entrusted, he was empowered, and he was expected to manage everything for the master. Folks, that's what this word, as Paul's talking about this, he said, I'm a servant. I'm an under oarsman for the Lord, but I'm a steward. I've been given this responsibility. I, Peter, Apollos, all of us were given this responsibility. We are to, we are to take care of this stuff. We are to handle it. We're to manage it. And, and, and so Paul adds one more term as he's talking about this. We're stewards of this. He says stewards of the mysteries of God. So the phrase mysteries of God is used commonly by Paul to describe the truth of God, which was once hidden in the past, but is now revealed to us through Christ. So we, we, this mystery that for a long time they didn't understand. They didn't know who Christ was. They didn't understand the salvation through Christ. And all this has been revealed. So you can see Romans chapter 16, verses 22 through 25. And you see there the mystery refers to the revelation of Christ and the gospel, which we are, we are now entrusted with. All of us as believers, we're entrusted with that. So Paul received the call to preach the mysteries of God directly from the resurrected Christ himself on the road to Damascus. That supernatural calling when God saved him and he called him. He, he, he entrusted him with the gospel. And we know in Paul's life that he gave him many things that he revealed to Paul. Then Paul revealed those things to us. The mysteries have been revealed. We understand. We have the gospel. And as believers, we're like Paul in this. We're to be stewards of the gospel. So if the house stewards are tasked to handle the resources given and provide food for the household, then stewards of God are are to dispense the truth of God's word. That's what we're to do. And it's not just for Paul and Apollos and Peter. Folks, it's for any servant of God. It's any for born-again believer that we have been entrusted with the mysteries of God. We've been entrusted with the gospel message, and we're to go out and use that. So the mystery of God, of God did not originate. They do not originate with us, did not originate with us. They were entrusted. Uh, we've been entrusted with that mystery, with that mystery, and we're called to teach it and preach it as he directs. So my call, God calls me to teach and to preach and, 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 and to function in that role here. But for every believer, when we walk out of here, myself included, I'm the pastor. I preach on Sunday morning. But when I walk out of here, I'm looking for opportunities to share the gospel. I'm looking for opportunities to tell somebody about Jesus. And that's what we all have that responsibility. We are all, we have that calling and, and we're stewards of the mysteries of God. Then we look at verse 2. Paul says, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. And that word faithful is the word pistos. And, it, and it, it's faithful, but it means trustworthy. It's more than just being faithful. It's being trustworthy. You can be faithful and be a crook, right? I show up to work every day. I'm on time. I, I don't ever leave early. I don't shuck my time. But, man, I'm sticking money in my pocket every, every day. I can be untrustworthy. I can be a crook, and yet I can be faithful. So this faithful, the idea of this word faithful is that not only is it faithful, but it's trustworthy. You are someone that's trusted. So this faithfulness is not just being faithful to the task, but as stewards of the mysteries of God, we're to be faithful to the truth. We're to be faithful to the truth of God. Paul has been preaching and teaching the word of God. He's preaching the gospel of Christ. And a steward does not speak his own words, but obeys the will of his master and proclaims the truth given to him by the master. That's what Paul did. That's what Apollos did. That's what Peter did. They preached the truth of the word of God. It wasn't that God's called me and now it's just whatever I want to say. Folks, that's the problem we have in America today in American Christianity is we got... Careful how I say this. No, I'm not. We have fools. We have fools who stand in a pulpit and they lie and they pervert and they, and they twist the word of God. And I say that's a fool because if I were to stand here and twist the word, I would fear for my very life if, if I intentionally twisted and, 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 and undermine the word of God because, I, because I'm so smart. I want you to hear what I have to say or I want to manipulate and twist true scripture to get you to do what I want you to do. That's wickedness. There, the problem we got in our country is there's these, these men who are standing in pulpits. There are women who are standing in pulpits contrary to the word of God and they're speaking lies. They're not 
portraying the truth of the Word of God. We have to speak what the Master tells us to speak. It's that under oarsman. When do you row? How often do you row? How fast do you row? When do you, when do you stop rowing? But this is how you row. This is how long of a stroke. Everything. The master told them what to do. And they were to do it. As his command, at his command, when and as often and as long and whatever, as he commands. And this is the authority that Paul and Apollos come under. They were assigned to that task in Corinth. The task was assigned to them by God. They are servants of God. They're stewards of the mysteries of God. And so what God has given us, he's given to us the gospel message. Folks, we're to manage that as well. And part of the gospel management is is ensuring gospel purity. That's a very important part of that, that we hold true to the scriptures. But being a good manager of the gospel is to spread it abroad, and the gospel must move beyond us we must distribute it generously. Amen? It's one thing if we just sit here and we guard the truths and we hold, man, we can hold to the truths of Scripture. We can be absolutely in line with it. Everything's absolutely, every jot and tittle, we've got it down pat. But we don't ever take it anywhere else. We've got to hold to the truth and we've got to go distribute it because that's the command that our Master has given us. Luke 12 Verse 42 and 43 says, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his master will make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Be faithful. Be diligent to do what God calls us to do. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. You know the story. It's the, the Lord says the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And remember in the story, he gives one of them five talents. He gives one of them two talents. He gives one one talent. And when he comes back, he, he brings them into account. He brings them to reckon. And he brings the one that had five talents and he brought back ten talents. He had used what the Lord had given to him and trusted him with that he had the responsibility of stewarding it was not his money it was not his five talents but he did what the master told him to do he went and he worked with those five talents and he brought back ten talents and what did the Lord say it the Lord said well done good and faithful servant the one who he gave two talents to he came back and he brought back four talents or five talents and he brings them to him and he, and he, and he says uh, he brought back two more so he's brought, brought back the, the talents and he he worked with it he was faithful with it he stewarded properly stewarded he was faithful with it and he brought it back and what the Lord says he said well done good and faithful servant and then the third came who had the one talent and, and he, he tells the Lord he says I was afraid I went and hid your talent in the ground folks this is more than just about some this is a story it's a parable and we relate it to life the Lord has given you a talent now, when I say talent, we think of talent as just, it's just, you know, well, I can play guitar. Jim, I'm so glad you're up here playing piano. Amen. That sounded so good this morning. I mean, it really, it, Pastor Aaron and I were talking about this. But that's the beauty of when we use the talents and the gifts that God's given us. Now, I can't play a piano. You would not like, you wouldn't clap. You'd clap when I stopped, okay? Uh, but, but for Jim to use his talent that God has given him, that ability, it's just enhanced this. Pastor Aaron and I were talking about it. He said, man, it frees me up to do different things. And, we can, and, and I love, I love what Pastor Aaron does with our, with our praise team and, the, and those that are given of their time and their talents, their treasures in this way. Amen. Amen. I love that. I love that. But, but Jim could come in here great with the piano and go, I'm not going to use it. I'm going to bury it. No, that's not, that's not how that works. We don't get to just choose. The Lord's given you a talent. He's given you, when I say talent now, he's given you abilities. Folks, if he's given you money, it ain't your money. It ain't yours. There ain't anything you've done that's yours. You didn't make your hair that color. Well, unless you color it, okay. <laughs> if you let it grow for a month, you didn't make your hair that color. You know, what, what we have, everything we have, the color of your eyes, the complexion you have, everything, it is a gift from God. Amen. Too often we don't see them as a gift from God. Well, God says, I, boy, I didn't make you pudgy. You made you pudgy. That's you. That's you. Don't blame me for that. That's you. But... Everything, that, the way we are, God has put us together. 
God, everything is a gift from him. Now, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to bury that talent? Are we going to bury what God's given us? Or are we going to use it? He tells us to use it. Be a good steward of what he's given you. Manage it well. Manage the gospel. And, and, and so he went and he buried it. He hid it. And the Lord took away from him. He took even the one talent that he had, and he took it away from him. So I go back to verse 22 in that passage. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Folks, if you want to hear well done, you got to well do. If you want to win employee of the month, you got to do something to, 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 to get that, right? They don't give employee of the month to the one that's running off into the break room all the time or out back smoking, and, and you can't, where are they at? There's another customer up here. No, that, that, you don't, you got to do what God, we got to be faithful. And as we're faithful, we do what God's called us to do. Look, if you want to hear well done, and folks, that's, that's the driver for me. That's what drives me. I, I, I want a crown. Because I understand what we're going to do with the crown. We're going to lay it at the Lord's feet. I want a big crown. Um, But I'm not motivated by a mansion in heaven. I'm not. If the Lord sees fit to give me a mansion in heaven, I'll praise him for it and whatever. Uh, I'm I'm not enthralled with walking on streets of gold. It just doesn't thrill me. But the thought of the Lord God Almighty saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. That's the eternal, I'm the eternal golden retriever. Just pat me on the head and tell me, good boy, good boy, I'll be happy for all of eternity to hear that. Amen? That ought, that ought to be our motive. But if we want to hear well done, we've got to well do. We have to be cautious because we can, uh, we can get so focused on doing what is right that we miss the actual uh, part of doing what is right. I'm so focused on wanting to do what's right that we miss out on the doing of what is actually right. So there's a story to illustrate that. Um, MetLife Insurance had a headquarters there in, 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 in uh, New York. And they would have their top producers come at different times for meetings and stuff. And one, during one of the trips, a salesman actually sold an insurance policy to the elevator operator in the MetLife building. And he said all the years that he had worked there in that building, the MetLife insurance building, all the time he'd been there, no one had ever asked him if he wanted insurance. Folks, we miss the boat so often of folks who would love to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And we never take the time to share what we have. We, we get caught up in ourselves. We get caught up in our company. We get caught up in, in just what we're doing. Maybe we look down our nose because we're, we're eating at this nice restaurant and they're waiting the table. Yeah. Folks, why don't we take the time to share? Why don't we take the time to be good stewards of what the Lord's given us? Amen. All right, next thing, look at verse 3 and 4. Paul talks about the accountability. There's right accountability. Basically what he says, verse 3, he says, but, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by, by human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Um, he who judges me is the Lord. Paul says, listen to what he said. He didn't say, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. It's not what he said. He said, it's a very small thing to be judged by you. It's a very small thing. It's not that he totally discounts it. And, and, and so, if, because here's the point. If someone criticizes what Paul is probably saying there is, if they've got a critique, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to evaluate it. If there's something to it, you know what? Then it's something I need to work on. But I'm not real concerned because you're judging me on something you don't even know the whole story on. He says, so I don't, whether it be you or whether it be a human court judging me, I don't, I'm, I don't care. It's not a big deal. He said, I don't even judge myself. Now, he's not being arrogant there. 
He, and when he says, you know, for I know nothing against myself, Paul wasn't saying, I don't know of anything. I'm, I'm, it wasn't like my pastor who said that time, I haven't sinned in three days. That wasn't what Paul was saying. Paul said, Paul was saying, look, I, I don't judge myself. You know why he didn't judge himself? Paul says, I don't, I don't know everything. I don't even know the, the intents and the, and the purposes of my own heart sometimes. I think I do. I think I do, but I don't always. So Paul says, I, I'm not concerned with being judged by someone else. I'm not con- concerned with being in a, judged in a human court. I'm not even going to be concerned with my own judgment because I'm not going to put a whole lot of weight in my own judgment of myself. Because what we, we talked about a few weeks ago, about deceiving ourselves, right? I can deceive myself. I can think, boy, that was, man, I, I did, that was so good what I did. God ought to be so pleased with me. He's so fortunate. He's so fortunate. You ever heard these husbands that say, boy, that was the best day of your life when you met me, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, I've, I've heard the husbands say that. I've heard, man, that was, you hit the lottery that day. When you met me, you hit the lottery. I hit the lottery when I, when I, I did hit right there, right there. You hit the lottery, Jordan. Ben, you hit the lottery, man. Y'all hit the lottery to find each other. Listen, it, 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 Paul, Paul wasn't arrogant in that at all. Paul's saying, I, I can't even properly judge because I don't know my own heart. But that, folks, there's, here, here's kind of what's going on. We, you, 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 ever been, you ever had somebody judge you? You ever had somebody crit- criticize you? And, and they're going, the, what they're criticizing you for, you know that, that they're judging my heart. They don't, even know, they don't even know what I did there. And you ever been... You ever had somebody get mad at you because they didn't understand what you did? They didn't understand. Um, I can't really tell the story. I can't tell the story other than I was on the school bus and I made a comment to a girl. It was absolutely a pure comment. It was nothing inappropriate in any way, but she took it the wrong way. and She about cussed me out on the school bus. And I'm like, what did I, what did I do? And I had to think about it. I thought about what then she, she, she took it. It was, it was absolute... But she, she misunderstood my heart. And I've shared this before. But I can be walking down the street. There's a homeless guy. We can do good things that are bad things. And we can do bad things that, are, that, that appear to be good, right? So I can walk down the street. There's a homeless person. And, and so I'm with a crowd. I've got Ben with me. I go, man, I'm going to impress my new son-in-law. Hey, hello, sir. How are you doing? God bless you. Here's $50, man. God bless you. Be, be, you know, we just want to make sure you're fed and hungry. Here's a track. Here's all this stuff. I'm walking on. And all the time in my heart, my whole purpose for doing that was to be seen of Ben. Ben, to see what a great guy my father-in-law is. Boy, he gave $50 to that homeless guy. You know what? I've already got my reward because that's what I wanted in my heart. But maybe, maybe I'll walk back behind him and i say, hey, y'all hold on. Y'all, y'all go ahead. I'm gonna, I'm, I got something I need to do. Y'all, y'all go ahead. And I, I hang back and I give the guy, I talk to the guy and I give him some money or whatever for no other purpose than to be a blessing to him. So see the difference in that? And it goes back to the heart. Who sees the heart? He sees one thing. Somebody else may see something that's going on. They see something else and they judge with partial information. The only one who can judge is the Lord. The only one is who can judge. So when we get into the topic of judging, and this is not a message about judging, but it is about this. When we start being crit- critical of somebody else, we start judging the things that they're doing. Why did they do that? I can't believe they did it. We don't know everything. We need to know everything. We, we, don't, we don't know it. We don't even know our own hearts sometimes. You know, we can, you, 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 could, you would never know it. The scripture said we shouldn't commit adultery, Right? Man, you can be the most faithful guy, the most faithful gal in the whole church. Never cheated on my wife, never, never talked to anybody else inappropriate, nothing. But boy, if you just knew what was going on in my head as I look at so-and-so or I look at so-and-so. The Bible says to even look on someone with lust is to commit adultery with them in your heart. And now, there are different consequences for acting on it, but God saw that. It's sinful. Nobody else will see it. Oh, man, what a wholesome guy. What a wholesome guy. And just full of sin and deceit and hiding that in my heart. Do you see where I'm at? So, folks, we have to be careful. And we, we're really, I, I'm, I'm going to say, I was telling someone, well, maybe this morning we were talking about it in our membership class. But I think I was telling someone even this week, you know, one of the joys of, I've been here four, almost four and a half years, is that it doesn't feel like 15 there are pastors who go somewhere there, they're there two years, and they feel like it's 20 years underwater. 
You know, it's what it feels like because it's always a problem. Somebody's always criticizing them. Someone's always chewing them out about something. Doesn't matter what they do, it ain't right. They don't like anything. Always, all that stuff. I haven't had that here. We've had bumps in the roads. We've had some challenges. We've had some things. I've had people say stuff about me that in this very situation was not, was not true. It, they didn't know everything, and it gets spun around. And instead of listening to what so-and-so told you because so-and-so told them, why don't you come to me and ask me about it? Now, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you the truth on that. But I, I don't like when someone misjudges me. But I want to be careful that I don't misjudge somebody else. But you've got to be careful of that as well, that you're not judging someone and you don't have all the information. Because you don't want to be judged that way, right? That's what Paul, so Paul, what he's telling these guys, and, and I'm going to wrap this up right here. I'm going to wrap this up. Because what Paul is telling them is this. He, he says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of his stewards that one be found faithful. And then, and then he says... But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or in a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. That's who judges us, folks. And, we, and we, but you got to consider that. We go, oh, you can't judge me. Uh, we, I need another message on judging because there's a lot of places where we're to judge one another. This is not the context here. And, and this idea is, I don't have all the information. You don't have all the information. Be careful how you judge. Be careful how you're criticizing Paul and Apollos and, and Peter and the other pastors. But it's beyond the pastor, folks. I'm not just up here telling you, don't criticize the pastor. Because if there's something that you've got a concern with, come talk to me. Come talk to me. Come talk to Raymond or John. Talk to us. If there's issues, something you're concerned with, talk to us. Don't talk to anybody else. If you're talking to somebody else about something that is our responsibility, you're gossiping. So you got an issue, come talk to us. I'll be glad to share with you. But we get to verse 5. It says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. It is the Lord who sees the heart. It is the Lord who can rightly judge our actions. He can rightly judge our motives. No one else, not even ourself. Then each one's praise will come from the Lord. He'll commend you. The Lord will commend you. When he comes back and those things are right, he'll commend you where you're right. The praise will come from the Lord. Verse 6, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against another. And here's what he's saying. You guys, you're lifting up Paul and tearing down Apollos. You're lifting up Apollos and tearing down Paul. You're making judgments of this and crit criticisms of that. You're judging us as servants of God. We're under oarsmen. Our job is to do what God told us to do. We're out here doing it. We're doing it. We're being stewards of the mysteries of God that have been entrusted to us, that have given us to this. And now people are criticizing that. He said, but I don't care. If you want to judge me, judge me. It's a very small thing. If you judge me, it's not even a big thing if a court judges me. I don't even judge myself because I don't know. I can't properly determine. You can't properly judge. I can't properly judge. So I'm not going to judge. I'm going to let God judge. But you're judging. And you're creating this division. And you're making these criticisms. What you should be doing is being a servant of God and being a, a steward of the mysteries of God because you have the same call on your life that, that Paul and Apollos and Peter had. You may not be called to be a missionary. You may not be called to be an evangelist. You may not be called to be a preacher. But you are a child of God. And if you've been born again, you have the same responsibility. So don't think someone higher than another. Don't lift this one up on the pedestal. He is doing what God called him to do. And if he's not, his master would deal with him. How about you do what God called you to do? Amen. How about you work as God commands you to work instead of being the fruit inspector for somebody else's farm? <laughs> so how do we take an inventory? How do I know if what I'm doing is right? Here's some questions you can ask and consider as we wrap up. How would you answer these questions? I know the will of God for my life. Now, the key to knowing the will of God for your life is knowing the will of God. 
period. Because when we know the will of God, the, the, of my life, for my life, in my life, that becomes crystal clear as we just start taking steps of obedience, doing what God's told us to do. When he says go preach the gospel, go preach the gospel. I've seen little kids want to preach, they set up dolls. Little, little kids that, I'm going to be a preacher. They set up their, their stuffed animals and stuff and be preaching to them. I'm going to preach. Go preach. Go share the gospel. Do what God's called you to do. Do you know God's will? Do you know his will for your life? Are you doing what he's called you to do? Are you doing his will? Are you working out his will through your life? Are you, are you seeking to win others to Christ? Are you seeking to win someone else? Folks, if we're not, we're not doing God's will. Have I won others to Christ? Am I involved in God's work? If you're a believer and you're not involved in God's work, you're out of His will. Larry Burkett said, Larry Burkett's been dead a long time now, but Larry Burkett wrote books about, I think it was Financial Peace, maybe, Brent, was that right? Was that what it was called? What was it? He wrote the book, What Happened to the American Dream. He had a program that is kind of like what Ramsey does now. Crown, that's it, Crown Ministries. But Burkett said this. He said, if every Christian would just tithe, he said, not giving extra, not doing extra, if every Christian would simply tithe 10%, he said, we would have more money in the kingdom. You think of right now, he said, on average, this was 25 years ago, on average, on average now, every Christian total money given is less than 3%. Less than 3% of income is given back to the work of the Lord. Less than 3% given by Christians. So think about that going from 3% to 10%. That everything that needed to be done could be paid for, funded in the kingdom work. But now think about that when we think about the 80-20 principle. Where 80% of the work is typically done by 20% of the people. I think I haven't done the numbers here. I need to crunch the numbers because we have a lot of people serving. We have a lot of people that are involved in some area of ministry. I think that, that number is higher here than, than 80, 20. I think it, I don't know what it would be, but it's more than 20% that are doing the work. But what if it was 100% of our church membership said, I can do something, I'm going to do something, help me find that something to do. Just being faithful, being a steward. What if... When we left here, instead of one or two of us throughout the week share the gospel, what if every person in here was very intentional with I'm going to make it a one person this week, one person, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to find somebody. And if by Saturday night I ain't found somebody, I'm going to Walmart. I'm just going to stand there until I can talk to somebody, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus. What if every person in here did that? That'd be 150, 150 gospel engagements. I, I guarantee if we had 150 gospel engagements, we'd have somebody come to faith in Christ. Folks, it's about us. Paul says, consider us. But he's saying, think about it, folks. Reckon it because you guys are servants of God. You're under oarsmen. You're stewards of the mystery of God. You have the same call on your life that Paul and Apollos have. Pastor Aaron, you guys can come. So this morning, man, let me just say this. What Paul's saying to be an underorsman, here, here's where we can tell real quick, do I, have a, do I have a secular attitude about this or do I have a gospel attitude about this? I don't want to be no slave. I don't want to be used. Folks, I don't want to be used by a person. I so want to be used of God. I so want God to use me. And if I'm just a simple under oarsman, and he says, row, boy, row, 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 then what I'm going to do is I'm going to row and row and row and row and row. There's great fulfillment in that, folks. It is a joy that we get to serve God Almighty. Man, a lot of you would have signed up if Trump Trump said, hey, I need you to come be in my cabinet. I need you to do, you would have done anything to be a part of Trump's administration. You're a part of the greatest administration in the history of the universe. Amen. 
And you are invited to be a part of that. You get to serve God Almighty, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And there is no greater place to be. There's no greater work to do. There's no greater fulfillment in our life than serving Him. Let's serve Him. Amen? Amen. Father, I pray this morning as we come to this time of invitation, Lord, Maybe, maybe, we, we're, maybe we've been on the sidelines. Maybe we've been, been disengaged. Maybe we're, we're in the game, but, but Lord, we're not, we're not engaged the way we should be. We're not doing all that we could do or, or should do with what you've called us to do, Lord. I just pray you'll speak to our hearts. This morning, just share with us each one as we, as we just, we don't concern ourselves with anybody else in this room. We're not judging anybody else. We're going to judge ourselves. We're going to look at ourselves. We're going to evaluate this. We ask you, Lord, to judge us, to evaluate us, to, to Lord, tell us where we're at. Am I, am I doing what you want me to do, Lord? Am I where you want me to be? Am I giving the way you want me to give? Am I serving the way you want me to serve? Am I sharing my faith the way you want me to share my faith? Lord, whatever it is that I need to be doing or I, I, I'm not doing, whatever it is, Lord, just reveal that to us as your children, as those that are in here that are born again. God, reveal that to us. And may this morning we just, we just deal with you in that area. I pray you'll speak to hearts. But, Father, I pray also that if there's even one in here this morning that does not know you as Savior, they've never come into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They've never understood, fully understood, truly understood that they're a sinner and they're separated from God Almighty because of their sin and there's nothing they can do, nothing they can do in order to be born, be born again. Nothing of their own works. God, you have done everything. You sent your son Jesus who lived a sinless life, died on the cross, took our place on the cross, bore our sin, became our sin, and died for us in our place. And yet you rose again on the third day. And with that, you won victory over death and hell and sin and the grave. And Lord, you have made it possible for us to be reconciled to God Almighty through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's even one person this morning who does not know Jesus as their Savior. They've never confessed their sin and turned from it and turned to Christ. I pray this morning would be the morning. May they step out of the aisle, come down here and talk with me. Lord, I, I just pray you would help them not to worry about anything else going on, but they would step out and let us take the Bible and introduce them this morning to the Lord Jesus. Father God, have your will and way in this time of invitation, this time of reflection. Speak to our hearts. Help us to obediently respond, and we'll glorify your name in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Stand with us, please. Jesus.